Okay, hello everyone and welcome back. I hope that you all had a good week. So if you're listening to this right now, that means you've made it through week one of IMC 600 in the fall 2019 semester, which is awesome. You're now one-seventh the way through this course, and that is nothing to sneeze at. Given that our time is limited together in this course, we're going to be keeping a very brisk pace going forward. So let's dive right into Chapter 3. As I've mentioned with these podcasts, I won't be going through everything that we read about in our chapter. I'm just going to be going over the highlight reel, making some key points, providing some anecdotal information, and just some things to consider. These podcasts are supplemental to our reading. The first thing that I'd like to say to you as we get into it is that a situation analysis is not simple. They take a lot of work, and there are moving parts to it. Situation analyses are structured in such a way, however, that its contents are digestible. A good situation analysis should provide as complete a picture as possible about the organization's current and future situation with respect to the internal, customer, and external environment. In a sense, a situation analysis gives us good context for things within a marketing plan and help in making strategic marketing decisions. When conducting a situation analysis, there are three moving parts, and I'm going to go over them quickly right now. First, you have your internal environment, and that takes a hard look at how the company itself functions, its resources, you know, things like its cash available, um, its employees, and how uh, its current structure is poised to complete or to complement, excuse me, marketing. Secondly, it looks at the customer environment, and that examines your customer base and the five W's pertaining to them. As a reminder, those five W's are who are our current and potential customers, what do customers do with our products, where do customers purchase our products, when do customers purchase our products, why and how do customers select our products, and why do potential customers not purchase our products. And lastly, the third moving part is that a situation analysis gets into the external environment, which is the world your organization operates in and the things that it's up against. As I mentioned, these are the moving parts. They are interconnected. And the book has a pretty good illustration showing this. It's Exhibit 3.2. What affects one of these parts has ripple effects to the others in some way, shape, or form. I'm just going to go over a quick example here. It's kind of simple, but I'm going to use Amazon. Uh, Amazon's kind of an easy target. So suppose hell comes to pass and all of Amazon's warehouses are down and cannot fulfill orders for an indefinite amount of time. That's your internal. The customers will get angry, leading to them finding other means to get their orders fulfilled. They're probably going to make a lot of noise about it too. That's the customer environment. Between that bad rep, the poor outlook, and screeching halt to -to day-to-day operations, Amazon stock is probably going to go down, which is your external. I know that's a simplistic example, um, and it touches on 
on elements of the three moving parts, but for our purposes, this will work. So far as the components of a situation analysis, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going in depth with them, as the book and this week's assignment both lay out what to consider in looking at these elements and what should be included. But as a reminder, they are PEST, the acronym PEST. Um, PEST stands for your political, your economic, your social slash culture, and technology. But wait, there's more. Uh, you can take this uh, two steps further, and uh, when PEST becomes PESTLE, and the LE added to PEST stands for the L is legal, and the E is environmental. Um, environmental referring to things like nature, uh, like your natural resources that are available, uh, concerns over the environment because of productions of your goods, and how consumer habits are affected by the environment. So when you're creating situation analyses, the one thing that I would advise you is this. As you go through your situation analysis and are working on the pest or pestle part, if you're going to cite things that are general, make sure that you explain how it relates to your company and marketing plan. Situation analyses are not a place to be scant with information. And just like any assignment, do not make me work to understand it. I've seen this before in a situation analysis or situation analyses. Um, and I'm just going to pick one example here. I'm going to go with the very first one, and that's political. And believe me, I'm not trying to get political by any means here. Um, but I've had students write something to the effect of, um, for the political category, tumultuous political times. And that was it. As the reader slash client slash instructor, when I read that, the first word that came to my mind was, so? The whole point of a situation analysis is to provide information about the world in which you'll be marketing your product in and the, or the world that your organization is operating in. It's also to provide some context which will later present itself as justification for what you're doing in your marketing plan. So to take that past example uh, with the political and couple it uh, with my pants company from our last podcast, uh, Michelle Pants Co Company, if I were doing that, um, I would have followed up tumultuous political times with a little bit more detail. Um, I would have cited something um, like perhaps the U.S. is engaged in a trade war with China, uh, which is translating to difficult in sourcing materials or exporting our product. I'd also probably uh, cite some sources that I used to uh, get that information so readers know where that information came from and that it's credible. So I'm just going to take a sip of water here before we move on. Um, all right, so moving right on. Um, so data and information is critical in your situation analysis, and you want to make sure that you have good data to, to get good information. In fact, the data and information you'll collect as you work through this course and this program is what is going to provide the justification for what you plan to do in your final campaign book. Please hear me with my next statement. You will be tested on your data and information. 
you won't be tested in it in the sense of if you can recall a fact or if it's true. Uh, we as your instructors are and uh, eventual judges uh, for your final presentation are trusting that you as a grad are trusting you as a grad student and that you can find um, data and information from credible and true sources. Um, you will be tested on your data and information in the sense of your interpretation of it and if what you're doing with it makes sense. I've seen, to be frank, I've seen campaigns go down the toilet because of bad research and bad information and data. I've been on final defense panels in this program where that's happened. I've, I've seen it, and it's not pretty, and... Um, Obviously, our point of this whole uh, curriculum is to work with you to help you get that good information and data and guide you along that. Um, it is important to remember that data and information are not the same thing. Data are a collection of numbers or facts that have the potential to provide information. Your information is essentially what you distill from the data. I know this is probably stepping back a little bit to your intro to your your intro course to the IMC program, but it's worth revisiting here. Uh, data and information can be collected from a variety of sources, um, and those are you have your secondary sources, which are things like books, magazines, reports government data like the census. Um, census is a wealth of information. Um, you know, commercial sources, uh, information from research firms. I would caution you with information from research firms. Um, there are uh, research firms that make their living off of being commissioned by companies to do research on uh, that company's products and um, you'll see that the conclusions are always favorable to the company. It's kind of um, like back in the 80s and I think early 90s where like Marlboro and um, cigarette companies commissioned studies on the effects of smoking and miraculously came to that conclusion that there is no connection between smoking and emphysema and lung disease and all that good stuff where actual scientific studies and uh, unbiased studies found that, well, actually, there there is a connection to that. So just be careful when you're looking at those, uh, at certain studies, and pay attention to who they're from and uh, who's paying their bill. So uh, moving on, your other um, source of data and information is from primary research, and that is uh, collected from things like uh, direct observation, focus groups, surveys, experiments, if you will. Um, you'll be doing both of those things, or collecting data both and information both of those ways in this program. Let me just grab another sip of water here. There are issues in data collection that you should be mindful of, and I think it's worth reviewing them quickly as these are things to consider as you develop your strategic marketing initiatives and your campaigns books. The issues are, uh, point one, an incomplete or inaccurate definition of the marketing pr problem, which leads you just to go down the wrong paths in your research. Ambigu ambiguity about the usefulness or relevance of the collected data. Severe information overload the expense and time associated with data collection, 
and finding ways to organize the vast amount of data collected in information in a way that it makes sense, in a way that you can use it. So these are things just to keep in mind. Information and data collection can be complex, but that doesn't mean that it's not doable in an efficient and cost-effective manner, nor does it mean that the information and data is something that you won't be able to use or understand. So with that, let's move right on to Chapter 4. All right, so Chapter 4. So when I look at a SWOT analysis, I think of an adage that I've heard before, and that's there's nothing bigger than the little things. SWOT may seem like a small thing, but it actually has big impacts on strategic marketing. Harnessing a SWOT analysis and the information from it can make or break a strategic, strategic marketing planning and development. What's critical to an effective SWOT analysis is staying focused on what you're examining. Remember your purpose in doing a SWOT analysis. A few major points I want to make here as we think like strategic marketers in developing a SWOT analysis are 1. Staying focused. 2. Looking at all of your competitors. It's easy when you're doing these things to think of something like Tylenol versus Advil versus Bayer Aspirin and forgetting the generic brand, or you know, Pepsi versus Coca-Cola versus Royal Cola, and forgetting about something like Dr. Tops or WPOP or whatever the uh, grocery store brand of things is. Um, three, uh, it's important to think like the customer. And four, it's important to always remember what the internal versus external elements of your SWOT analysis are. I'm going to read from our assignment so I can say that I said it. Um, remember that strengths and weaknesses are internal factors. For example, a strength for a business could be the location of the business or quality processes or, and procedures. A weakness could be poor quality goods or services or a bad reputation. Opportunities and threats, on the other hand, are your external factors. For example, an opportunity for a company could be a developing market such as an internet, or such as the internet, excuse me, or a market vacated by an ineffective competitor. A threat could be, a price, could be price wars with competitors, or new taxation being introduced on your product or service category. I've seen plenty of SWOT analyses. Common mistakes that I've seen are that you are speaking too generally and need to do more research. Be specific. Saying something like a bad economy is not an adequate threat. Uh, being sure that your opportunities and threats are, um, or market, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm just getting a little tongue-tied here. Um, saying that your opportunities and threats are internal and not external factors. Another common mistake that I've seen is offering solutions within your SWOT. A SWOT analysis is not the place to do that. You can get into that in other parts of your marketing plan. Um, remember that the purpose of a SWOT analysis is to help identify your next steps. So a SWOT analysis should naturally lead to identifying action. Your action will be articulated in your strategy statement and objectives.
A good SWOT analysis in my book is one that presents the visual of the information, but also provides the backup information to it. People are visual, but when you're dealing in real-world situations, you need to have the backup, like what I said, like the justification. You may want to consider in your SWOT analyses uh, not just listing the items on the SWOT chart, but also taking it a step further and providing an explanation about each item and why it is where it is. As strategic marketers, the big lesson here is that a SWOT analysis helps us to transition from a broad understanding of the market conditions that we learned about in our situation analysis to developing our strategic efforts. It's important to note that SWOT, a SWOT analysis can drastically alter what we thought and force us to reevaluate our plans and perceptions. A SWOT analysis might present you with something that you didn't think of before or inadvertently force you to look at a strength or threat in a new way. SWOT, a SWOT analysis helps us to move forward with our strategy and get that comp competitive advantage that the book references. It helps us align our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats with one another so that we can better meet our customers' needs and develop an effective marketing plan to that end. Figure 4.7 in the book has a good list of sources for competitive advantage. I invite all of you to go back and revisit them. One point that I really liked that the book made is that developing competitive advantage isn't just about looking at the real differences between competing firms. It can be about their perception, and I'm just going to grab a swig of water here. As I've heard it, perception is often reality. For instance, my daughter may perceive that I'm mean for not giving her a snack. But the truth of the matter is that we're about five minutes away from sitting down to dinner. But to her, the reality is that daddy is just a mean guy who won't give her a snack. Perception is a very, very powerful thing. And it's really hard to change a customer's perception of your company or product, but it's possible. And it's possible in part through a SWOT analysis and a well-thought-out strategic marketing plan. Um, there are a few things that I would like you guys to marinate a little bit more uh, as we get into this course. And we're going to revisit a little bit of last week's podcast specific to goals and objectives, which the book touches on in this chapter. The book points out that goals and objectives are not the same thing. When I was in IMC, I will freely admit that I initially thought that they were, and it took a bit of time for me to wrap my head around that. But I did, and uh, here I am today. Goals are general desired accomplishments while objectives provide specific quantitative benchmarks that can be used to gauge progress towards the achievement of the marketing goal or goals. Goals are broad. They are attainable, consistent, comprehensive, and they do have some degree of intangibility. Objectives, on the other hand, are when we kind of start to whittle down a little bit, when we get into the specifics of what we're doing and how we can measure that. Like goals, objectives should be attainable, consistent, but also include a time frame and things that can be measured. They also need to assign, assign responsibility to someone to carry out. Um, just a side note here, um, brand awareness by itself is not a goal. 
uh, to me, it's part of a more specific objective or strategy depending on your campaign, and it has some element of measurement, like increasing sales by 10% over the course of the next year. It should also not be your only objective. I've seen that before in final campaigns books, and it doesn't go over too well. You should have a few objectives. So um, just to go back to my really, really wonderful example of my pants company uh, with goals and objectives. Um, so my goal with my pants company is to be the go-to pants company in the country. Um, you'll see there, there's a bit of intangibility to it. Um, it's consistent, it's comprehensive, um, it's attainable. Um, the objectives for it um, that I would have would be, so how am I going to achieve that? The objective would be uh, increasing sales through on the, our online store by 10% within the next six months. Or another objective might be to increase sales in our brick-and-mortar stores by 15% over the next year. Um, so just uh, think about that type of stuff. Um, it's or think about these things, it is going to come up as we continue on through this course. It's going to be a major element of this course. In fact, uh, we have a whole assignment dedicated to developing these things, uh, coupled with strategies and tactics. So with that, um, just a reminder that this upcoming week, or next week, we will have our live chat with Josh Curcio from Protocol 80. Um, I wrote a little bit about him um, in the syllabus and... Uh, on our Moodle. Um, good guy, real good guy. He knows what he's talking about. Um, and I will have the details posted about how you can join our live chat on Moodle. Uh, Josh is really excited to do this talk, as am I, with, for him to do that. Um, I've had him speak to a class before, and he's a great speaker. Um, just be prepared to ask questions and actually have a conversation with him. So with that, I will see you all next week. Have a great week.